The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day, one. Good day, all. It's Wednesday. It's a medium-sized NBA with a big recap coming here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Yes, I foolishly kept my normal last name after going into working in radio. And here we are, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. Still, the easiest way to find me and uh, so we can hang out a little bit. I did some office hours yesterday. I hadn't tried that before, and that was fun. I feel good about that. Twitter office hours is what I'm calling an AMA. I know that's the tried and true, and you're like, Dan, you keep trying to invent stupid uh, new terms for things that are already fine. Like, Dan, why do you got to reinvent the wheel on the word sleeper? Oh, by the way, I'm going to read the list of amazing submissions we got <laughs> on uh, on sleeper stuff uh, for replacing it. The list is is just outstanding, so I'll, we'll, we'll read that at some point on today's show. Why do I want to replace the word sleeper? I don't know. I just do. I want to make the term rematch set the name for this season, the COVID season scheduling anomalies that have now forced teams to play back-to-back games against the same opponent in the same arena to minimize travel. We're going to call those rematch sets. And, uh, and I already forgot what the hell I was talking about that, that actually led into this discussion. Cool. Oh, office hours. Right, office hours on Twitter. That's an AMA. Um, I, I, get, I get this is going to sound arrogant, but it's not the way I want it to come off. I get a lot of questions on Twitter, which is great, but they come in intermittently throughout the day and then kind of get buried in mentions and notifications and so I miss some I do I try to respond to as many as I can but I miss them and a lot of them are like look at my team what should I do I'm like okay I can't I can't forget this is going to take me 20 minutes to figure out what to do with your team I just I can't do that right now so I'm bringing in office hours I don't know when they're going to be I'll announce them on on short notice uh, but if you want to ask me questions about your team, that'll be the time to do it. That's when I'm going to be glued to my Twitter, and I can actually do it as, a, as an actual live q and I'll do more of that, of course, scheduled in our Discord at HoopBall, which you can get if you are a Fantasy Pass subscriber or a HoopBall360 subscriber. Um, so check those out at hoop-ball.com. Anyway, that's, I thought I'd talk about the, the office hour stuff because I think you guys will likely enjoy that. Again, it's at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Uh, HoopBall is at HoopBallFantasy. The website is hoop-ball.com. The dash is a hyphen, not the word, hoop-ball.com. Go check them out immediately. There's cool stuff going on over there all the time. NBA News, Tuesday recap, Wednesday look ahead. You guys know the plan here as we hit the normal part of the season. I will slip in the hilarious new names for sleepers that we'll start having our competition on those on uh, the social medias in the not-too-distant future. At some point in the middle of the show, I'll also tell you about our buddies over at mybookie.ag at some point in the middle of the program, so keep your ears and eyes peeled for that good stuff. couple little tidbits of news on the NBA front. Rui Hachimura's conjunctivitis, which I think was supposed to keep him out a little bit longer, apparently is good to go. I was, I was frankly surprised that the timeline was three weeks for conjunctivitis because... Uh, kids get that all the time, and it takes two days of eye, bro- eye drops to get rid of it. So his was obviously very bad. 
I, I shudder to describe it, but I think any of you that have seen Pink Eye, which is what that is, know that like his eyes were basically glued shut by goop. Gross. You got to hot compress that sucker. Got to warm it up. You can wipe it off, open your eye, and then you can get the eye drops in. But it really shouldn't have taken more than a handful of days because eye drops work fast, man. They get rid of that stuff in a heartbeat. So good to see him back sooner than expected. Only took him a week, I think, or a little over a week. He's expected to play tomorrow, which is going to render Denny Avia mostly useless on a team where no one's finding a whole lot of wiggle room anyway with West, uh, on games when Russell Westbrook is in the lineup. LaMarcus Aldridge listed as questionable for the ballgame tonight. That kind of came out of nowhere. If he misses this one, he probably plays the next one. This is part of a rematch set between the Spurs and the Lakers, so you'll probably see that line move in the direction of L.A. if, indeed, Aldridge is ruled out. It's sitting right around the Lakers by 6 right now. It had come down, I think, to as low as about 5.5 or 5, so perhaps the Aldridge stuff is moving in the other direction. Boston, number of rest things going on. Tristan Thompson is out. He was critical in their win yesterday. Just hustle plays to get the Celtics that win over the Pacers. Jason Tatum is listed as questionable with a thumb thing. This is more than likely just, you know, sore wrist. Hold him out. Get him ready for the next one. They've got a a rematch set after the new year with the Detroit Pistons. Very much the... You know, this is the Boston, can we get this one without a bunch of our guys playing game against the Grizzlies? Uh, so beware of that, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover that when we profile the games coming up here on Wednesday night. And I think those are probably the larger pieces of NBA news that have broken this morning. We'll cover everything else as we go through our large Tuesday night recap. So let's just launch headlong into that one. We'll start at the front end with Boston and Indiana. No big surprises in this one. Uh, Peyton Pritchard played 27 minutes off the bench, which basically now solidifies that Jeff Teague is out. Uh, not so much of the rotation. He still played 19 minutes, but he's out on a fantasy, uh, scale. We, sorry, we checked him out at the beginning of the year, kicked the tires on Jeff Teague. No, we'll pass. Cause Kemba Walker will eventually come back. And then that whole thing was going to blow up anyway. Marcus Smart, he's coming around 17 and five played better. Still not going to shoot great. But uh, he'll just he'll coast into value. Tristan Thompson's the only notable one there. Uh, skipping half of a back-to-back like so many other guys. He made all four of his free throws, which is a big deal in this ballgame. That does even out with him. It always does. He'll have a one-for-five free throw shooting game here coming up. And the whole thing detonates for, Tr- for Thompson. But if he really does play his way into starters big man minutes, the way that we just saw in this one... He might be worth a specialist spot on your team. Not a guy I'm racing to pick up by any stretch of the imagination. And when Kemba comes back, they slide everybody up a notch. They'll go small a lot more often when they have four stud guard slash wings they want to get into lineup. Right now, there's just three. Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Smart of the guys they want in the lineup as often as possible. Those three guys stay relevant even after Kemba Walker comes back. I think they keep Marcus Smart in as the starting shooting guard, slide probably Tatum up to power forward, and Jalen Brown becomes the starting small forward. So this whole thing, at that point then, you've got Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, and the Time Lord all competing for almost exclusively center minutes, and that'll get ugly real quick. On the Pacers' side, it's generally the starters. T.J. Warren had a fairly empty game while fouling out, but overall, they're a predictable lot. Justin Holiday is a slightly deeper league guy. 
played 25 minutes and was good in them. 12 points for steals. He's just that quiet nine category producer type that'll just sort of plug along at a hot, you know, top 125. And at the end of the year, he'll be inside the top 100 by totals because he plays every night. But that's not that useful in roto games cap format. Nine cap roto head to head, you could actually make an argument that he's worth using and he's very low roster very low um interestingly enough he is rostered in my head-to-head league with 11 starting spots and uh four bench slots and two injured reserves so there's your barometer for uh where he likely gets picked up that is what did i say 17 basically you're talking about 16 17 deep on most teams 12 teamer that's where you get to justin holiday territory so there's your explanation on that one. Warriors beat the Pistons 116-106. Golden State starting to wake up a little bit. Draymond Green coming back will uh, definitely help them in the long term. I think there's this feeling that Dre coming back is just going to be the magic bullet for the Warriors, and I don't know that I agree. He will slot in pretty easily with these guys. They're not going to be a big learning curve, so that part at least is useful. Andrew Wiggins had a big ball game in this one, which is good because his start to the year had been pretty ugly. That brought him back to the edge of the top 100. He may clear that mark because he gets defensive stats and he'll shoot better than 37% from the field, but he'll also shoot worse than 86% uh, from the free throw line. So it all levels off there. Good to see Kelly Oubre do something Missed some free throws, but had a three, four defensive stats. This was a, a move in the right direction. James Wiseman, 6.6 boards, two blocks in 22 minutes, fouled out. He's a rook, man. These things are going to happen. And Draymond coming back is actually going to cut into it just a little bit. They're, they're, this is a team that wants to win. And while he is in, in just a massive young man who's going to have a solid NBA career, I would venture to guess... He's also not always their best option at big man. Kevon Looney can play some center. They can slide Draymond up to play center if they need to go small. So, you know, don't expect James Wiseman to just play 35 minutes a night and dunk like it's going out of style. He's going to have a decent year, but, like, you know, he was crowned the king after night one. He's number 141 in nine cat right now in about 24 minutes a game. And, you know, I don't know that that... The field goal percent is going to come up, so you've got that at least. But, you know, overall role, he'll get better as the year goes on. But, you know, he's not a king yet. Detroit side, I mean, look at Jeremy Grant. Look at Jeremy Grant. This is a guy who had one bad game to start the year, and everybody was like, nope, he's not going to do it. And then since that game, opener, remember, his opener was nine points, three assists, and a steal, basically. Since then, he's averaged 27 points uh let's do the math here about eight rebounds one steal two blocks and three and a half three pointers per game last three games whoa that's first round stuff over those three games and i don't know that that necessarily keeps up all year but he's enjoying being the man even if they're losing that's what he signed up for i'm gonna join your team detroit i know you're gonna suck but i want to be the man he took 21 shots last night and that's not going anywhere either because Blake Griffin got doinked in the head. He ended, uh, entered the concussion protocol. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. Killian Hayes turned an ankle 17 minutes into the game. And so, you know, every time someone goes down in Detroit, it just tilts a little bit more towards youngsters. So Josh Jackson, his starting role is locked in. His percentages are awful. He's a points league wonder, 
but he will kill you in 9-cat. He's probably on the cusp of 9-cat usefulness right now, or any category usefulness right now, because he's going to get a lot of usage. Derek Rose may move back into the startable category here if Griffin and Hayes have to miss any kind of time, but his fantasy game is, is very limited, and they want to keep him healthy for a trade. DeLon Wright, quiet game, but he did play 28 minutes off the bench. If he's getting minutes in the mid to high 20s, he's a must-start guy, and just accept the fact that sometimes there will be a quiet one. But overall, he's going to be really good this year if he's playing near starters minutes. Like, real good. His steals and blocks numbers are way down right now in a limited sample size. You move those into where they normally are. He's at 27.5 minutes per game right now. 12 points, 3.5 boards, 4 assists. One and a half three-pointers, 50% from the field, 83 at the free throw line, low turnovers. He's ranked 127 because he's at .3 steals per game right now. .3, I repeat. Delon Wright, over his... I mean, look at Memphis after the All-Star break a couple years ago. He was at 1.6 steals in just a minute or two longer than that. This is a guy that when he plays near 30 minutes, he gets near one and a half steals per game, and he gets near .6.7 blocks per game. He's a two-plus defensive statter. Must own, must start. Delon Wright, no question, nine-cat guy. I'm not going to dig too much deeper on this team because they're anemic. By the way, Mason Plumlee had, had a weird one. He'll be fine. He did get 10 rebounds and a block, so kind of salvaged what was uh, a bad one, but he's he's been trucking along. No reason to change projections there. Toronto needs a win like a hole in the head. It's starting to become a weird self-fulfilling prophecy. OG Ananobi went huge in this game, and you know he was always a bet to have a really nice year. Uh, he's number 17 in 9-cat right now. Yeah, he's not going to average 3.5 steals per game. You know, he's not going to average 4.5 combined steals and blocks per game, but... He's he's gonna beat his mark. He was he was a layup on draft day, and I didn't get him in nearly as many places as I should. Uh, I think because everybody listens to the damn podcast. I got again. I got to get into some of these pro leagues. Kyle Lowry was great. Pascal Siakam was pretty damn good. Didn't miss. Uh, didn't hit that many shots, but otherwise he fouled out. Uh, Freddie Van Fleet has gotten off to a very cold start. He's a buy low potential. And Norman Powell was horrible again. He had six points, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer, two three-pointers in the first half, and he did nothing in the second half. Literally zero things he did. I'm worried about Norm. Something's wrong. And I don't want to cut him because we know what he can be. He was, you know, he was the main bench guy last year, and right now there just isn't even a bench guy for Toronto. No one from the Toronto bench played more than 21 and a half minutes in this game. That's crazy how shallow they were running in a loss. They need to use their depth. Chris Boucher played four and a half minutes, which we sort of knew was going to happen when they went up against big opposing centers. Aaron Baines played 22. And then Siakam ran the rest of the game at center. Uh, Alex Len, rather, excuse me, ran the rest of the game at center for that team. So, I mean, like it was, it's weird in Toronto right now. Something's not, something is not right. They shot 36% for the game. Philly shot 38% for the game. You hold the team to 38, you should beat them. Good to see Tobias Harris get on track in this ballgame a little bit. We always know he levels off. Everything's going to be fine for Toby. Uh, Quietly, by the way, despite what I think you'd call kind of a slow start for Harris, he was averaging, uh, coming into that last game, only about 14.5 points. He's uh, actually number 29 
in nine category leagues. Good free throw shooting, low turnovers, nice steals and blocks this year. Those will come down a little as the year goes on. But old man Tobias just trucking along. Embiid was good. Seth Curry, he seems to have really locked himself into that fourth useful guy on the Philadelphia side. And we're not going to go any farther than that, nor should we. No one else deserves a look farther than that. Danny Green had a better ball game, but yeah, no, no thanks. Chicago beat Washington. We should have bet this one because it was so clearly a, a game to bet because the Wizards are a disheveled mess with Russell Westbrook trying to run the team without really knowing who he's playing with. Westbrook had a big triple-double, 21-15-11. and 11. Six turnovers. He actually shot the ball well. Like, by all accounts, he had a good ball game. But the Wizards don't defend anybody. Westbrook, I think, is going to eventually irritate Thomas Bryant, who's out there trying to get his, and he only ends up with six rebounds in 33 minutes while Russ gets 15. Uh, Bradley Beal is still finding a way to do stuff on from a fantasy side, but the, the turnovers are too high. The uh, The other story in this ballgame is Davis Bertans, his minutes cap being raised now into the mid to high 20s. He had 20 points in 26 minutes. He is now locked into a solid rest of season, provided he can indeed stay healthy. On the Bulls side, the winning side, Chicago put up a buck 15. They had seven players score in double figures, and one of them was not Lowry Markinen, who hurt his calf about 20 minutes into this thing. What does that do for the Bulls? Well, um, you know, it made it easier, at least, for other guys to move into more time. Garrett Temple actually seemed to be sort of weird that that's the guy that ended up with, with more uh, usefulness, but his minutes were the ones that trended up when Markinen went down. Temple was sitting in the 20 range the first two games he played in this year. He was at 29 in this one. So uh, for Markinen who did play 20 minutes. He's normally around 30 or so. I think what's his what's his average prior to this last ball game? He's now at 26 overall. 30 27 29. Yeah, so he's about he's about 10 minutes under his normal number and Garrett Temple was about 10 minutes over his normal number. So that was the big difference in this ball game is they just slid everybody up a click. Markinen out. Temple came in to play shooting guard or small forward. The Probably small forward. It depends. Doesn't matter. What What do you want to call Zach Levine? A shooting guard or a small forward? Doesn't really matter. Those two guys were the wings. Otto Porter slid up to play more power forward instead of small forward. And it worked out. Bulls won the ball game. I got to talk about Otto Porter for a minute. Because we all know Zach Levine's going to have a good year. We know Kobe White's going to score a lot but have fantasy deficiencies. We know Wendell Carter Jr. What did I say? I called him a 12-8 and 8 guy. He had 10 and 12 in this one. That That's just expect that. He's a late-round center. He's, he'll pop off every once in a while, and he'll have a super dud every once in a while, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to settle in between, and it's, it's going to be fairly predictable from, from that standpoint. The, the Otto Porter-Patrick Williams story, I think, is the bigger one here. Patrick played just 20 minutes, Porter 29, which was far and away the biggest number for Otto in any game to this point. He was 23, 19, 21, 29, and I think... They do want to ramp him up. He is the definition here of playing into shape. He missed almost all of last season, so he couldn't really keep his conditioning then. He had a nine-month layoff for a bad team. Couldn't really keep his conditioning then. But I think he's largely healthy now. He's just sort of out of shape. But 29 minutes for Otto is a big deal because what you're seeing is a guy getting himself 
into game shape. He had 16 points, three boards, and one assist yesterday. Not exactly a line you're going to write home about. But as you start to look at what he's capable of, Otto again playing just 23 minutes of ballgame, last time he played 29 minutes was you know basically pre-injury two years ago. Pre- and post-trade. Washington, he played 29 minutes. Chicago actually played 32 minutes after he got traded over. I wouldn't expect his usage to be nearly as high as it was towards the end of that year after he got traded to Chicago. It'll be a little bit more, probably, like what you were seeing in Washington. uh, Washington Otto, who was a sidekick. He played the hyper-efficient wing, kind of big wing at this point now, alongside, at that point, Beal and John Wall. And he's now kind of that in Chicago, alongside Zach Levine, Kobe White, and then, you know, Markinen when when healthy. So those years in Washington, he was taking about 10, 11 shots a game. Somewhere in that neck of the woods. Sometimes less than that. Call it 9.5 to 11.5. Somewhere in that range. And was scoring about 11 to 15. Somewhere in that 11 to 15 range. And he's at 13 this year, which is actually... right in the wheelhouse. And maybe that comes up a tiny bit. He's rebounding all right. He's at five rebounds this year. He's historically been in that sort of five, six and a half-ish range. He's he's with, you know, I would would argue better rebounding team here, playing more small forward. Zach Levine rebounds pretty well. Wendell Carter Jr., Larry Mark, and all those guys take rebounds. So if it's a tiny bit under his career mark, that's fine. That's fine. He's right on it right now. His assists are right on the mark. Uh, So what you're looking at with Otto is, is anything sort of off, that's going to change as he plays himself into shape. Field goal percent is low. He's at 44.5%, very limited sample size in just four ball games. That's something I think you'll probably see tick up as this season goes along. His previous low, basically, if you eliminate his, his rookie year, was about where he's at right now. And his career-wise, is at 48. So that'll probably tick up a little bit. Great. Free throw number, he's a little bit over his mark at 87%, although, you know, after some uh, a rough couple of years in there, and then, you know, the, the injury plague season last year, which you can almost throw out, he's actually been more of an 82-83% guy as opposed to the, the mark of 79 that, that you look at in his career. You, you go recent career, it's more like 80 to 83. The other thing that jumps out to me, defensive stats. Career 1.2 steals and .4 blocks in 27 minutes per game. That's 1.6 combined. This year, he's at .5 in only three minutes less than you know his career minutes per game mark. So that's something that you know is going to come up. And I don't know that you can necessarily go buy an auto porter on the cheap. Someone's going to wonder why you're coming for him. But I would do it. If you can pull it off, and if you can get him for almost nothing. Because I think he's going to have a good year. And those numbers we were talking about, like 2016 Otto Porter in Washington, 13 points, six and a half boards, two defensive stats, two three-pointers, 51% from the field, 83 at the free throw line. That was a top 40 fantasy season. Less than a turnover a game also, by the way. He's had two turnovers this year. That's definitely coming down. He was at 1.7 when he was playing that high usage gig in Chicago a couple years ago. There's no way he's at that mark. So this is a guy who has a portfolio that includes top 30, top 40 type NBA seasons. Yes, they're going to be a bit careful. He'll probably sit out some back-to-backs, but if his minutes continue to trend up towards 27 or 28, I would look for him to be a top 75 guy this year. So I wanted to pause on that because I think there's a, there's a, a, a 
somewhat of a miscommunication on what to expect out of Otto Porter. And I think you can get a really interesting fantasy player on the hyper cheap. New York rolled into Cleveland, beat the Cavs 95-86. There was something weird about this game right from the outset. And I think, you know, what we're seeing is that New York just plays better when Alfred Payton is the full-time starting point guard. He played 35 minutes in this game. I hate his fantasy game because it's all assists and usually steals, although they didn't get any in this ballgame. He seems to have improved his three-point stroke a little bit here in the early going. What I wonder, of course, is, is this something that sticks? You know, he's at one and a half three-pointers per game this year. His career high prior to this season was .8. He's a career 29% three-point shooter. He's at 55% this year. So let's say he does get a tiny bit better there. He's still way over his head in that department. It's possible he's improved his efficiency. But again, you can't look at his his season numbers right now and really know what to expect from Peyton because he's at 0.5 steals per game. That's obviously coming way up. He hasn't made a free throw yet this year. Uh, he's missed all four that he's taken. Yuck. Uh, he's only at four and a half assists on the season, but he's at seven in each of his last two ball games. So, you know, there there's a leveling that's coming here. The uh, The steals will come up. The shooting will come down. The assists will probably stay up a little bit higher. The free throws, bad though they may be, he's a 62%er. They won't be 0% for the year. And as much as it pains me to say it, he's a must-own guy right now because he's played 29 and then 35 minutes in back-to-back wins for the Knicks after playing 22 and 18 minutes to start the year in back-to-back losses for the Knicks. He's in, they're better with him in, and he's an ad. Almost hurt me a little bit. You guys know I'm not a big fan of his fantasy game, and they're just, oh, man, there's so many things that are wrong with it. But whatever, he's got to be in there. Also of note in this ballgame, Nerland's Noel, minutes up to 16 and a half, produced five defensive stats. That is why he's not a drop this early. Yes, there are massive reasons for concern on that front. If Mitchell Robinson is really set to play 30-plus minutes a game, well, obviously, he's going to have a massive season, and that kind of crushes our hopes of Nerlens Noel being a, a huge uh, mega bumper from draft day who ended up going super early. He, he was rocketing up ADPs, and so I ended up with him only in one spot. But you can't dump him yet. You just can't. There's way too much upside. There aren't—that's the thing. Like, the guys that we're picking up on the waiver, the guys that we're scouring for don't have that. Nerlens Noel is top 50 upside if his minutes get into the 20s. Almost no one else on the waiver wire has that type of upside. So you have to give these guys a little bit of a longer leash, even if you have to bench them for a game or two. Uh, Reggie Bullock had a big one, but he will likely go back to being a pumpkin once Alec Burks is back in the mix. That's a pretty easy prediction there. Cleveland side, uh, with no Kevin Love now for three to four weeks, Larry Nance Jr. is just going to be rolling in Roto stats. Nine points, six board, three assists, four steals, two blocks. Ah, oh, love me some Larry Nance Jr. Darius Garland g- looked good again. He appears to just be locked in, starting point guard stuff all year long. Andre Drummond, big game in a loss. He had nine defensive stats, but also went four for ten. <laughs> Woof, at the free throw line. The good with the bad. You know what you're getting when you punt something. Colin Sexton finally had an off-shooting game, but still was uh, solid enough with 20 points, 4 assists, and 7 for 8 at the free-throw line. JaVale McGee nearly double-doubled in 16 minutes. Keep an eye on JaVale. If his minutes somehow trend towards 19, he's actually a fantasy guy, too. 
Milwaukee decimated Miami in a blowout. Drew Holiday, hyper-efficient game. That was good for him, but nobody played enough, really, to make a giant game out of it. Uh, Giannis off to a very weird start this year, and certainly Miami knows what to do with him. Giannis is number 161. Listen, I know there's a uh, the joke is that Dan Vesperts hates Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he'll be better than this. Much as I hate his free throw shooting and how it will tank your team, if you can go get Giannis for like a third rounder right now, you can't, by the way. No one's going to part with him for that, but you should try. You should try. I don't like Giannis as a fantasy asset, but he's not going to be outside the top 100. That's, that's lunacy. Throw this game out for Miami. No Jimmy Butler, so Tyler Hero had to do a bunch and they just, you know, they didn't defend anything. Milwaukee hit a record 29 three-pointers. They had every shot they took. Miami had 21 turnovers, also unacceptable. They'll be much better in their rematch set tonight. Orlando beat Oklahoma City. Orlando was still a very easy team to handicap. Terrence Ross had a quieter one. He's been very good for them so far. Vooch was great. Uh, Dwayne Bacon had a pretty good ball game, but shot 9 for 10, so obviously not sustainable there. Markel Fultz double-doubled. Aaron Gordon's on a minutes cap, we learned recently. Kind of came out of nowhere, so he'll just get better as the year goes on. And uh, Orlando, frankly, they put up 118 points, but they really didn't need their guys for this entire ball game. On the OKC side, they rested George Hill and Al Horford, which meant, you know, these are the kinds of games you're going to get when they rest the veterans. The young guys just cut loose and weird stuff happens. Shea was great, 23-7-7 on uh, good percentages, but no defensive stats. Isaiah Roby filling in as a big man, had 19-7 with a steal and a couple of blocks. Guy to keep an eye on for later in the year. Lou Dort, 15-4, no defensive stats. And, And, I mean, listen, this is the thing, like, we call guys must-own. I think I said Lou Dort was must-own, but he's not yet must-start. Same story for Darius Baisley. These guys are going to get enough minutes to be good, but they both have things that are still wrong with their fantasy game. Lou Dort doesn't rebound or assist almost at all. We don't know, really, if his steals and blocks. He's a great defender, but we don't know if that's going to translate. Is this going to be like Shane Battier, where he gets a steal, but even though he's the best defender on the floor someone else is getting two steals because they're just jumping more passing lanes same thing with Darius Baisley like we know he rebounds well for a wing and he can get some defensive stats but we also know his percentages were not good last year and that you know there was a regression coming this time around it's really helpful for Dort and Baisley in particular to have Horford and George Hill on the floor so they'll be better when the old guys come in Phoenix blew out New Orleans, another one we can just kind of throw out the window. Uh, nobody was good in this ballgame, really on either side. Jake Crowder was kind of the one guy that was solid enough. DeAndre Ayton, meanwhile, very slowly playing his way into game shape. This was sort of a hint of what's to come there. Double-double with a block on good percentages. Chris Paul, close to a double-double. Devin Booker, useless in a giant win. I mean, they're, they're like, Phoenix is deep. They're playing defense this year. And then the Clippers blew out Minnesota, but we did get a slightly longer look at Ricky Rubio. He played 25 minutes in the blowout loss, had 17 points, 5 assists. He got dropped in some places and is a must-own guy. He's Ricky damn Rubio. He doesn't need to play 33 minutes and be a focal point of the offense. He just needs to exist on the floor, and he'll get you steals, assists. He'll get you a eh, three-ball every once in a while. He's a great foul shooter. So, yeah, I like people punting on Rubio is way too fast. And then with Malik Beasley, this is the line we're worried about. He had 19 points and two three-pointers, 
but horrible field goal percent and really almost nothing else. No defensive stats, only four rebounds, no assists. I think he's a must-own guy, but he's also not really a must-start type. Uh, Anthony Edwards probably falls into that same bucket. 24 minutes, 12 points, four threes, and a block. He'll get better as the year goes on. And then uh, D'Angelo Russell, he's going to be asked to do a lot of stuff with Cat out. And folks that were long-streaming Nas Reed got a taste of what's to come here. They might just go smaller. Clippers beat him up, so those guys didn't have to play a full game either. Lou Williams finally woke up, 20 points, 5 assists. He's really not a 9-category guy. I know this is a a 9-category. It was a better game from that standpoint, but he's just not. Luke Kennard, same deal. Nick Batum, same deal. You just can't trust him. He doesn't do enough stuff. If he eats a Zubats, 12 points, had three blocks, he looks good this year. Surge looks pretty good for them as well, even while they're splitting time. And then uh, Paul George, very efficient game for PG. Didn't have to do all that much. Only took 12 shots and uh, ended up being a pretty easy win. And finally, the last one of the night, Sacramento took on a Denver team that was kind of throwing this game a little bit when they didn't bring Jamal Murray or brought him but didn't let him play. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., 30-10. and 10. That's what you get out of MPJ when one of the other superstars is down. Nikola Jokic triple-doubled again in a loss, but I actually quadruple-doubled. The Jerry Stackhouse! I didn't even realize. Jokic with the, with a Stackhouse. Points, rebounds, assists, and turnovers. The quadruple-double for Nikola Jokic. Monty Morris, nice fill-in job. You know, he's always super efficient. Gary Harris, useless. Paul Millsap, fairly useless. He's a drop, by the way. And uh, Will Barton looked real tired on the second half of back-to-back, but I'm not moving along from him yet. Sacramento side... Uh, Darren Fox was wonderful in this ball game. He was brilliant. Made his shots, made his free throws, made his threes. Rashawn Holmes had 20, just out-hustled the Nuggets the whole damn game. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton came off the bench for 25 strong minutes. He's, he's someone to watch as the year goes on. You know, he's not going to shoot five for seven every game. He's not going to have six assists, and he's not going to have six cash counters every game. But he's he's good, man. He might be the best rookie in the class. We'll see. But he's certainly one of the most game-ready at this point. As we turn the page to tonight's contest, just a six-game Wednesday, I want to remind everybody again to go check out our buddies at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. Sign up. Don't even deposit anything. Sign up with promo code HOOPBALL and hit me up on Twitter. A couple of you guys did this yesterday, and now you're happier for it. I can promise you they are. Sign up, mybookie.ag, with promo code HOOPBALL. It's on the third page of the sign-up screen. Open that account and let me know you did so. It's got to be on Twitter, though. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Shoot me a note that just says, hey, Dan, just open an account over at MyBookie. What now? And I'll get in touch with you over there. I have a prize for you. I have some goodies to distribute. They're, they're quite nice goodies. They're green goodies to distribute. They have free blackjack tournaments every day that you can actually win cash, even if you don't deposit money. Certainly, it's better for our partnership if you do ultimately but just go have some fun over there and uh you can do it anywhere i'm in california and i can and i can do it so they're they're good to go man mybookie.ag fantastic site you bet you win they pay it's easy sign up now promo code again is hoopball we might run out of time on today's show to give you some of these names of uh, what I want to call sleepers. So let's get to the important stuff first, and that's what's coming up tonight. Six-game card, Atlanta at Brooklyn. First one on the docket. Nets are uh, currently favored by 
five and a half. That's a number that's actually come down here recently. I don't uh, precisely know why. It's fallen off cliff. I haven't heard anything about anybody playing or not playing in that ball game. Sounds like Clint Capella is playing, but that's not going to move a line. He's not a big enough name to move a line. So whatever. In any event, I think it's going to be a good ball game. I do think the Nets ultimately win. I'm considering a wager on the Hawks in this. I have a lean in that direction just because I think, I don't know, I don't, I don't see them getting blown out. And not that you need to lose by six to be blown out, but if it's a really tight ball game and you're catching five and a half to six points, uh, you got a good chance of actually getting in there, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, total there is 239 and a half. That is a big number. And there are going to be a lot of points scored in this ballgame. Even if the pace slows, it's still going to be a really high-scoring game. Not a whole lot to pay attention to. Brooklyn, we're sort of one eye on the center position battle there. Doubt anybody really steps up with Dinwiddie out for the season. For Atlanta, they just have a lot of bodies. Let's see what John Collins does. Let's see how many minutes Clint Capella gets. There's little things that... This is a game that'll be fun to watch, but not super... Um, fantasy relevant. Like, I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of ads or drops coming out of this ballgame. Memphis, Boston. Boston's starting to rest people. Tristan Thompson out. Uh, Jason Tatum probably out. We'll see if Jeff Teague is out. My guess is they rest mostly everyone in this one. They just had a, a rough two-gamer with the Pacers. Grizzlies are without John Morant, so they're weak in their own right. They'll come in looking to try to get win number two after a slow start. They might get it. They might get it. You know, this is a game where I was actually on the Grizzlies at plus six and a half. And as this line now comes down to four and a half or four, um, I might get on the other side, <laughs> depending on how this thing settles in at the end of the day. You know, you, you're going to get a, a pretty big effort, I think, from Marcus Smart. And the Grizzlies don't defend anybody. Like The Celtics are going to... The Celtics benching Tristan Thompson actually is a pretty big deal because that gives the rebounding advantage now pretty substantially over to the Grizzlies' side, just at least in terms of interior strength with JV, uh, where you know Tristan Thompson pushing him around all game would have been a real pain in the butt. Anyway, thoughts on that one. Uh, Fantasy-wise, you know, you're, we're probably... D'Anthony Melton is still out, uh, COVID protocol, so Tyus Jones should have a quietly productive game for the Grizz. Slow-mo, he's cruising along right now. We'll see if Brandon Clark can kind of keep trending in the right direction. Celtics, I'm not that concerned. Like, if they're resting everybody, you're not going to make a bunch of ads and drops from that stuff regardless. Memphis, wait on DeAnthony Melton because he's probably going to end up on most waiver wires. Let's see. I always go by what my league is at. He's available in four out of my six cash leagues. He was recently dropped in one of those, so it was three. Now it's four. If he misses any more time, really, you might see him kind of free everywhere. He's interesting, especially with John Morant out. He's interesting. He's also a good young ball player with a pretty good fantasy game, defensive stats, efficiency, that kind of stuff. So uh, keep an eye on DeAnthony Melton. You might even you might even consider scooping him up early. Milwaukee-Memphis, second half of a rematch set between these two teams. Bucks favored by six again. <laughs> That's the darndest thing, man. Sports betting is crazy, man. Like, if you can get it, it was it was at six and a half, then it dropped to five and a half, then it rolled around near six again. See if you can get it at six. That's That appears to be where it's at right now. I mean, it'll probably move again before too long. Bucks just completely annihilated the heat. With the line at five and a half, and it's basically the same line. 
I lean to Miami. I think they come back strong in this ballgame. Not worried too much about the Heat fantasy-wise because Jimmy Butler, it sounds like he's out again. Uh, so that's why that line ticking back in the direction of Milwaukee. The Bucks are a very easy team to handicap, so nothing there from a fantasy standpoint either. Lakers and Spurs. LaMarcus Aldridge questionable for this ballgame, so fire up your Jakob Pertle fill-in analysis. For the Lakers, will Anthony Davis get his first block shot of the year? That's the question that drives us. Again, not a big fantasy-relevant thing going on here. These teams are pretty consistent in what they're doing to this point, and an injury, short streamers are just... I don't care the second week of the year in short stream. Charlotte-Dallas, there's a little bit of fantasy stuff in this one. Charlotte, you know, as P.J. Washington, he's looked a lot better while getting more activity with Cody Zeller out. So that's something for him. Is is Bismack Biombo someone we actually want to roster? The answer is a pretty hard no. I don't want to. But if he's going to play 30 minutes a game, you have to at least give him a look because he'll get you a bunch of boards and a bunch of blocks in 30 minutes a game. And those categories can be uh, a good hunt. So, ugh, gross. Keep him on your board, but, you know, like, don't don't get excited and don't set your expectations too high because he's a, he's a bad NBA basketball player, Bismack Biombo. He's, he's, not, he's not good. Uh, Dallas side, Luka. Josh Richardson, THJ, look, they look pretty good in that last ball game. All three of them got some stuff. Can anyone else, like, is Dorian Finney-Smith going to be good enough while Porzingis is out, who might be back here in the next two weeks? So, you know, do we do we roster him? Finney-Smith has long had fantasy issues in that, yeah, like, it, things look good for a little while, and then all of a sudden you realize he doesn't get many steals and blocks. He doesn't shoot the ball well from the field. He doesn't shoot the ball well for the free throw line. So there's just... He's the fake, it's not, not nice to say because he's a good basketball player, but he's a fake nine-category roto guy. His numbers, are, at a glance, he's like the, he's like the butterface of uh, nine-category fantasy basketball. I know you guys have probably heard this old expression. I feel like it's from the 90s, and it's uh, super uh, offensive and mean, but the, the, the phrase itself, to call someone a butterface, is... Uh, not something I would advocate, and frankly, it's it's fairly sexist. But um, but her face is as you break the thing down. Like she's got a good body, but her face. Anyway, don't use that. But if we're gonna make a '90s reference here, Dorian Finney-Smith is sort of the fantasy butterface. That is, uh, uh, from far away, things look pretty good, and then as you get closer and really analyze him, the percentages stink. The defense the defensive stats are actually not as good as they appear, and so he's a guy that gets you a couple of threes and a couple of rebounds, and that's not useful so anyway apologies to uh all of the females listening to the podcast that is a uh that's a clunky expression we'll come up with a better one but you know 90s references they're always a little bit fun i guess portland is in la to take on the clippers the blazers uh staying in la they took on the lakers a couple nights back and beat them clippers favored by three and a half total of 226 fantasy wise uh nurk ennis Cantor. gotta think that that minute battle starts to swing in nurk's favor as he gets his wind here second week of the year can Rocco bust out of his shooting slump because listen like he's not a guy that's going to shoot the ball well regardless but not 26 percent bad he's still at 2.7 combined defensive stats and the only thing that's off right now is the three-point shot if you crank that back to where it always should be which is he'll shoot 41, 42%-ish from the field, and his 
three-pointers become 2.3, and his scoring goes from 4.7 to 10.7, you've got yourself a classic Rob Covington top 50. Easy. That's it. Shots just need to go down, and they will. And when they do, he's going to go on a heater, and it's going to be, oh, so delightful. For the Clippers, Zubats, Serge Ibaka, that same stuff that just uh, keeps on rolling along. So that's kind of what we got going on tonight in the Association six-game Wednesday card. Here, let's do something fun here towards the end of the show. Here are all of the submissions that we got for new names for the sleepers. We will put these into brackets on Twitter. I don't know when the hell I'm going to have time for that. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe never. The names are, the contestants are, Dandies, Chips, Ruffies, Builds, Value Picks, Undervalueds, HB Sixers, Snoozies, Moneymakers, Sneakers, Sneaksters, Splashes, UVPs for undervalued players, Smitties, Exceeders, Sleepers, yeah, Don't Change was one of the votes, Not-So-Sleepies, The Forgottens, Stunners, Shockers, Transcendence, Zzzz, climbers, wicked upside players, dark horses, elephants in the room. I don't think that one actually makes sense. Slumbersers, slumberers, inevitable re-rankers, breakouts, not bums or unbums, hidden gems, hatchimals. Is that a kid's thing? Values, upsiders, fountains of potential, the unexpecteds, the mal-aligned, nappers, Eagles, Smokies, Outsiders, Surprisers, and Rare Candy. We got a lot of really good ones in there, so I can't wait to get those brackets going. Uh, Folks, thanks so much for listening here on this Wednesday. Again, I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. By the way, um, forgot to put out a recruiting call last couple of shows. If you want to be a fantasy writer or you're into DFS, as it turns out, and you think you can jump over to the pro analyst side of the wall hit me hit me we're also looking for salespeople. you can crash the phones hit me at dan vespers on twitter again sign up for account at mybookie.ag and also hit me when you do that with promo code hoopball have a great wednesday everybody enjoy it uh we will have shows by the way both tomorrow and friday so fear not we don't take a day off we don't new year's eve tomorrow new year's day friday into 2021 by the end of the week Six Gamer tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.